Welcome to the Attack Action Podcast with your hosts, the Battle Bros, Taylor and Isaac. How's it going, Isaac? Uh, just great, per usual. When, uh, whenever we do an episode, we're just hanging out, playing a bunch of flesh and blood, so I'm usually in a pretty good mood when we record these things, you know? Oh, definitely. Um, I also nailed that intro without having to read it. Nice. <laughs> yeah. What episode is this for us? Five. Five. This is episode five. It's a milestone. It is. It totally is. They they always say you, your first fifth episode is the golden one. The classic proverb. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. So on today's episode, we are going to take an in-depth dive into the heroes Ranger and Runeblade. Technically, those are the classes, and the heroes are Azalea and Viserai. But we're gonna we're gonna break down those uh card pools those strategies and then what we personally have been doing with those classes right because we each as you probably know by now like i play brute and azalea you play warrior and viscerai and uh brute and the warrior get a lot of attention in the media because they win a lot i mean for good reason right but um there's like very little uh valuable meta there is some discussion for sure not not discrediting anyone, but uh, about there's a lot less about Viscerai and Azalea. So we figured we could just share everything we've learned about those two classes. And, you know, hopefully you take away a few insights or pointers or just like stuff to add to your quiver, you know, when making your deck. Get it like that quiver. Oh, excellent <laughs> arrow pun. Nice. That's why you are the ranger player. Um, so before we get to our breakdowns, we have some shout outs and some news and just up front, I think this is going to be, I mean, typically our episodes are over an hour, but I would assume this one is also going to be that, but a little bit more dense. So perhaps you are here for our signature segments, uh, pick pass, Prey and riddle me this and game from the closet, but we're going to skip those this episode, um, just because of the amount of time we've actually prepared for this episode has been pretty huge. Um, I think we've spent, you know, it feels like three days total, you know, but it's like, you know, you can't, anyway, we've spent a lot of time on trying to make this like our best episode yet and have the most information. So because of that, we're going to just skip the fun parts and just be in the laboratory. Yeah, like 100% more prep time than some other episodes, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah um, definitely. All right, so what's on the docket first? We have some news and things to share. Um, yeah, we have some news. So first, our shout-out. So we are partnering with Fab Foundry in Portland, Oregon. Um, Troy, who's in our uh, Battle Bro Quartet. Um, if you don't know how we play this game, listen to our previous episodes um that'll explain the fact that there are four of us that play two classes each um so anyway troy has bought some cards from fab foundry and i myself have gotten some cards from fab foundry um and they listen to the podcast and that sort of thing and so we're partnering with them and you're going to get a uh discount on all of the uh ranger and rune blade cards correct if you so there will be an affiliate link in the facebook post and the show notes for this episode so um 
you can click on those and get a little bit of discount and that would help everybody out. And yeah, we want to say uh, Fab Foundry is great. And, um, you know, if you have your own uh, local shop you like to support, like keep supporting them, obviously. But if you're just perusing for singles online, uh, shopping this way would, you know, help out Fab Foundry's cause and our cause and everything. So, yeah, and just grow the community and that sort of thing. And we're really appreciative, too, of Fab Foundry for including us in this type of um, program. So we really appreciate that. Yeah. On to more news. So um, Taiwan had their national championship. Yeah. Um, the winning deck is a warrior deck. There were 14 warriors at that tournament, which is pretty surprising. Um, I thought also the really surprising thing was that there were six rune blades. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> uh, pretty low number of brutes and always low number of uh, rangers and wizards. But yeah, pretty good viscerite representation, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, that is really cool. Um, so big shout out to Huan Chi Wei, I believe. I'm, I'm trying to say that the best, but great job, man. You, you did it with your warrior deck and... Um, it looks like you cashed him out right there at the end. Yeah, cash in wins. Pretty yeah. cool. With a little basketball reference from downtown. Cash him out. Awesome. Great job. Um, so there's that. And then there was a uh, quote unquote exciting announcement from uh, Legend Story Studios about now they're partnering with uh, Channel Fireball. Dot com, which I hadn't heard about, but is what looks like after some research looks like to be a very big um, online TCG website for singles and content and that sort of thing. I guess since the game's blowing up and starting up in a lot of different countries all over the world now. Yeah, like Europe. Uh, Europe's about to have a yeah. release here. Yeah. And, you know, random places in the States where we, or they can, I guess. Um, but yeah, it looks like they partnered with the the maybe the biggest trading card singles carrier or you know something like that yeah totally so that's really exciting i mean we are you know trying to grow the community ourselves and it's growing all on its own and it's it's wonderful just wonderful <laughs> absolutely splendid so nice or whatever that's a shout out we're to very it. excited yeah <laughs> Well, that was a reference to Haunting of Blythe Hill, so you're into, it's spooky season, you know? Oh, nice. Ugh, I can't believe I said that. <laughs> um, also, Blitzathon happened since our last episode, which I thought was maybe one of the most interesting things that happened. Yeah, I think Blitzathon's... Uh, I guess we're not going to go into like full coverage of the meta and everything, but it's just like a it's a more wide open format. It seems like people are talking about the strongest decks and what characters the best and all that, and it uh, seems like nobody really knows. A lot has to be proven still. Um, one cool thing is the wizard is pretty strong, whereas in standard they are not. Um, also, the ranger. Um, you know, had a good showing from one of the developers. Yeah. Whereas in standard, they're, you know, lackluster. So uh, just a, like a more varied and open mm -hmm, format. Field. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think if you haven't seen that, um, I recommend watching. It's eight hours long. It's almost nine hours, actually. 
but watching it in chunks, there are some really interesting parts, especially in the the beginning, the middle, and the end. <laughs> oh, and those spots specifically? Yeah. Hours one through three, three through six. Yeah. yeah. Um, where the developers get to commentate on the games and in between the games, and you get to see them play decks and that sort of thing. And there's some really interesting insights they have about um, perhaps the strategy and that sort of thing in the in Flesh and Blood and Blitz in particular. So it's a really, really fun thing to see, you know? Yeah. Um, let's see. Let me check my notes. Oh, the last thing we're going to talk about I'm going to briefly mention this too, even though it's not on the notes. Sorry, off script. But you know Wild me. Card. Yeah, we're doing it live. Just a madman. <laughs> um, Matt Rogers put out a really interesting video with his uh, main testing partner about uh, his mechanologist deck and then things that they have learned strategy wise about how to play Flesh and Blood at a high level. So if you're interested in playing Flesh and Blood at a high level, I recommend you take a look at that video and if you're short on time or just don't care this segmented it pretty well just about halfway through they go on to talk about the game and everything they've learned yeah so the first half is pretty much dash specific i think Um, yep it is um and then the last thing we have before we get into our deep dive here is battle bros tournament number two is coming up next weekend that's right we're coming for troy we're coming for troy we're gonna take him down I hope Troy's listening to this. The Chalice of Champions is coming home with me, or you, or Mitch. Just not Troy. Just not Troy. (laughs) Um, So today's the 19th. We're recording this on Monday the 19th, and we will be participating in another two-day event with the four of us on the 23rd and 24th this next weekend. Yeah. And so the format this time is we're going to do one round robin of blitz decks and then another round robin of constructed decks now the reason that makes it a little interesting is that we have split all the characters i play warrior and rune blade so with the crucible of war characters and the merchant we have there's like a little tiny sub side pool of blitz characters you could run and by chance, the four new Blitz characters, we each got one of them. Yeah. So other than Mitch, who has a bajillion ninjas to pick oh, yeah, from. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> we all have kind of like a third character that we could play in Blitz, plus the merchant. Right. Right. So I could play, for instance, I could play Runeblade for our Blitz day and then do Warrior for our Constructed day. So what that kind of does for us, strategy-wise, is that you can't really predict what the other people are going to play, more so than last time. And you can play the same class both days, just not the same character. Not the same character. So I could play Kasai as my Blitz deck and Dorinthia as my right. Constructed deck. Right. Yeah. So next episode, we'll have the uh, results from that and potentially anything else that we find extremely interesting. We're pretty excited. We haven't played too much Blitz, so it's... Uh pretty exciting yeah we're actually gonna do our uh blitz testing after this podcast yeah 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 our whole goal is for one of us to win and not troy to win (laughs) that's our whole goal so if troy he listens to this in the shower so if you're in the shower lathering up no we're coming for you 
in segments, right? He doesn't have hour, 20-minute showers. Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, this is minute 12-ish. Oh, nice. So this could be his second shower of the week. So it could be like Thursday. Way to get that in there. So it'll be a little first... late for him to know. Nice. Maybe. I don't know. It could be a five-minute shower. All right. <clears throat> and then, boom, smash cut, sound effects, producer, um, edit those in. Here we go. Here's our deep dive. So we're going to start off with you, Isaac. We're going to talk about oh, Azalea. It. No more. Right into it. Gosh Wait. dang it. Okay. Cut that part out. Producer, cut that part out that Isaac ruined. No, you just surprised me. Let's do oh, it. Okay. Let's do it. I'm ready. Boom. Sound effects. Here we go. Okay. So we're going to take a deep dive into Azalea the Ranger. Right. What's her nickname? Ace in the Hole? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. Okay. So we're going to start off with... What is the general strategy that a ranger player would have? So if you're playing the ranger, what's your general strategy? Um, I have one practice and then I'll answer that question. Um, so our little, our group of four, we started playing maybe two months ago. Um, and like cards are out now or very expensive or whatever. So just by chance... We don't have any copies of Enlightened Strike, Command and Conquer, or Tome of Findall. Um, so none of us rock those cards. And it, uh, so anyway, we're just hoping the internet doesn't like shout at me right out of the gates. Like, where are your Enlightened Strikes? I didn't <laughs> yeah. see them on your deck. Why aren't list. you running Command and yeah. Conquer? And, but yeah. it, I mean, you could argue that we're all semi hurt. Like, I don't have Tomes in my Brute deck. I yeah. don't have Enlightened yeah. Strikes in Azalea. We all don't have something, but it's just, it's... Maybe so it makes only the meta those, fair. Maybe it's only those three generic Majestics we're not running. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. I guess we're not running Art of War either. Right. Which is less used, but still used quite often. Right. So um, don't don't tweet at us. Don't... Because uh, we're yeah, going to we post our, our deck list for these classes also in the show notes. So if you're like, why don't you have those cards? It's either because we don't own them it's because we don't own them. Yeah. <laughs> That's why. Yeah. So, um, good. Good caveat. So, so, we could all go out and buy all those cards and it would slightly change things and probably wouldn't unbalance our meta. So, whatever. Yeah. When there's a reprint and there's tons of cards, we'll go get Or them. there's no more pandemic and we have to yeah. go beat Joe Schmo at the local card yeah, shop. Yeah, does have tomes. Yeah. So. <laughs> but we do have all the other cards we want. Right. So, that's the only thing. Yep. All right. Okay. General strategy. Um, so that's, uh, yet to be determined for Azalea, obviously. <laughs> um, as you know, nobody's had a lot of success for her until recently in a Malaysian road to nationals. Uh, or was it Taiwan? I, I can't remember now. There was a ranger right, who fair enough, top four, but reached the semifinals with a blue heavy, maybe more expensive go wide flexible deck. Um, so that's one way you can do it, obviously. Um, I mean, the Ranger is pretty flexible. You can attempt to go wide. You can attempt to go aggro. You can go a little taller. Um, I don't, I've never heard of Control Ranger, but... Um... <laughs> that's a whole other episode. <laughs> okay, so general strategy. So, like, what are you trying to do with your turn in general, Right. So, like, what cards are, what are you trying to, like, arsenal? What kind of combos are you looking for? That sort of thing. Um, okay, so one thing about the ranger, as any ranger player knows, uh, 
you it makes it a little tough because you can't it's both a strength and a weakness you can't uh just arsenal and unmovable and like save it for when the guardian dominates you right because right. you need your arsenal to constantly be productive um or like in the same way a lot of players will just arsenal a regular uh defense reaction you can do that but then if they don't swing at you or you don't see a good opportunity to use it then you are forced to Azalea that card away and it gets kind of clogs you up. Right. Um, so Azalea has an ability, right, that takes a card from Arsenal and puts it on the bottom of your deck and you put the top card into your Arsenal. Correct. So how I... Sorry, it's a tough question to answer because you can play all these different ways and, you know... Totally, but it's like um, in general, you're, this is the fir- you're teaching someone for the first time what to do right with okay. an azalea deck azalea has arrows or generic attacks there you go right um the your objective is to slot an arrow into your arsenal or you know knock an arrow pull back mm-hmm. the string and then fire it out of arsenal arrows can only be fired out of arsenal right so um depending on the bow you use there's an action to load your arrow and then Azalea's personal character ability is that, like you said, you can cycle that card in Arsenal onto the bottom of your deck and load or flip up the top card of your deck face up into Arsenal. Right. If it's an arrow, it gains Dominate. Right. Okay. Great. And uh, arrows are very mid-range. I mean, they cost one to shoot a five and have a hit effect, which is great. Right. But um, her damage is kind of soft capped like we've talked about like a la warrior kind of Mm -hmm. um at 12 or 14 or i mean so you can make a deck or have like dream turns where you do like 30 damage or whatever like anybody can but in practice in reality um at least with the deck that i play um you're you know you're swinging for 7 to 14 a turn depending on what the strategy is um so very mid-ranged in that sense Right. That makes Um, sense. You, I go for a more go tall strategy, but with... So we'll get there. We'll get there to what your personal preferences are. Um, So what about like, um, how do, is there a general strategy to maybe like blocking with Azalea or is that, you want to save that for like matchup dependent stuff? Um, Or is your, or is your strategy... To just be so aggro that you're stripping cards that they have pretty suboptimal turns most of the time that you don't have to worry about how you block. It's just matchup dependent. Um, okay. One thing about Azalea, your arrows all block for three and you have plenty of them because you don't have a weapon. Right. So you don't want to run out of arrows. So you have a bunch of cards that block for three. All of her buffs block for two. So it's a fairly weak deck in terms of defense overall. Right. Compared to, you know most other characters and the inability to save a card in arsenal for better defense is uh you know with exceptions right so it kind of tilts you maybe towards this the aggro spectrum right you're rewarded for putting on pressure you're right. definitely not playing defense for multiple turns just building your right. next arrow um and so the dice roll you want to go first you want to go second what generally should ranger players do um it depends on the uh matchup again but I, Ranger players, I think, prefer to go first. Um, 
if I am able to dominate an arrow or do something productive, I will fire at the other player. Right. Um, and maybe make them uncomfortable, make them block, maybe get some damage through. Your turn is much more powerful if you start with a card in Arsenal. There so you go. So just going first. Yeah. That's your main objective. Um, I don't rock any potions or anything like that. So, However, against uh, your current Viscerai build or Guardian or probably against any player who uh, won... Or no, sorry. Against any player who wants to go second, I might go second instead. Like against an aggro deck like Ninja. Mm-hmm. Okay. Makes sense. Um so that kind of brings us into, uh, so can you talk about the card pool? Like what cards, you know, so Ranger has class cards, right? And so what about those cards set it apart from the other classes and what kind of options do those then give you? Um, right? So like what's the main theme that jumps out right away from Ranger cards? Hit effects. Right. For sure. Okay. Um, so you have hit effects that are more crippling in specific circumstances like sleep darts or hamstring shots. Mm -hmm. Um, you have your red and the ledgers or remorseless are good against most decks. Um, so the hit effect and then the dominate ability paired together is, uh, where you make up for your kind of inability to go really wide or really aggro or really tall right your sweet spot is your hit effects and your dominate ability right cool that's really cool um so what would then i think you kind of touched on it a little bit but let's talk about some of the key cards that are kind of like auto include in any ranger build and uh the equipment um okay i'll start with equipment sure um so I run Findals, uh, which I think is the... Yeah, the tunic. Yeah, the just the only choice for Ranger. Um, Skullbone, her hat, or helmet, or whatever that thing is. Yeah, her, her BMX protective gear. Yeah. Yeah. Her 70s sci-fi <laughs> yeah. armor. Sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, bullseye bracers and... I run Snapdragon Scalers above the Grapplers. Okay. Um, if you're running a blue heavy, go wide heavy deck, the Grapplers shine, I'm sure. They also block for two, but then break. Right. Um, so the reason I pick the Scalers over the um, Grapplers is that there's a scenario with the Grapplers where you have like an arrow in Arsenal and a blue in your hand and maybe like a take aim and two more arrows in your hand or some version of this where you fire off, you know, uh, and maybe you can skull bone or get a dominate arrow. Um, So you fire off three arrows, maybe one buffed, maybe one with dominate in a turn, which is like well worth the cost of grapplers. But I would argue that they're inferior because I like the Snapdragon Scaler... Um, bullseye bracer combo to fire an extra arrow at the end of the game for the win. Whereas I would argue the grapplers, um, they require you to use them when your hand presents itself, right? And at the end of the game, you're probably going to have less cards 
Right. And so you know, like you're a, probably a not game strategy. Right. You're probably not pulling off a grappler play right at the end of the game. So right. I prefer this Okay. This extra arrow fire. Excellent. For the um, lane. So we're gonna get into we're gonna keep staying in equipment here for like one second. And we're gonna talk about your personal choices you have made with this deck. And we'll we'll talk about some key cards. Okay? So to segue into your personal choices and, and equipment, we're, let's talk about Redliner v. Death Dealer. Okay. Um, one other note on equipment I would like to say is when to pop this little combo, or for like any character, um, obviously the best time to pop your gear and have your killer turn is like when they're in the kill zone and it wins you the game. Because mm-hmm. it's much harder to win the game right at the end, right? Um, I also find sometimes it's useful with Azalea or with other characters if they have, say, 14 health and you pop all your equipment to get them down to 5 health or whatever, for example, down into that kill zone. Yeah. I think that that also has a lot of value because it really hampers the way they play from then on. Right. Um, which I, you know, I think most players would argue that gear is for that kill shot at the end, but... Yeah, anyway. or, or, yeah, just making uh, a big turn at some point. Um, yeah, okay, Death Dealer versus Redliner. Yep. Um, so Redliner, you tap it, essentially. It's a once-per-turn action. I don't, I don't think we can say tap. Oh, right. <laughs> Exhaust. Yeah, <laughs> perhaps. Rotate 90 degrees. Untrademarked action. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you exhaust Redliner Whew. and load an arrow for free, mm-hmm. right? It's faster and lighter, and uh, I think it's better in Blitz. Um, in that Blitzathon video, some of the developers talked about how they think Redliner is just superior. Shout out to Jason Chung. Yeah. Um, I'm not positive if he was only talking about Blitz or in general. It sounded like in general, but I'm not sure. Right. The uh, the ranger who made it to the semifinals in Malaysia, I think, um, ran Death Dealer, um, which is a bow that you pay one, load an arrow from your hand into Arsenal face up, and then if you do that, you draw a card. Right. So let's talk about that, right? Because uh, we have spent hours talking about this um debating and testing different decks with both bows right right so talk a little bit more specifically about those experiences we have recently had yeah so i i have spent i built my deck and have spent more time playing with death dealer but i tried pretty hard and tested a number of times with redliner Mm -hmm. and trying to have a deck better suited to that so i have spent like hours testing both i have spent more and prefer redliner uh or sorry death dealer whoops whoa whoa, whoa. freud Edit didn't slip out, there you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so is that what you mean or you want me to yeah totally well why why though okay why so um redliner really shines when you for example have to block with two cards and then you have a nimbleism and a free arrow, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you just fire it all for free. Um, if you have a 
take aim, then that works with Death Dealer too. But there are like plenty of scenarios where, or say you have a Findals and a one cost arrow and a nim, or you know, and nimbleism or a take aim or whatever, right? You know, well, essentially, right? Like with Redliner, you could in you could block with two cards, play two cards basically, and still end your turn with an arsenal, right? Which is like a really good value. So you if can the arrow's free. Right. Yeah. 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 If the arrow's yeah. free. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I like I said, I think Redliner shines more in Blitz. Um Redliner also sometimes seems better when you're only able to, as with Skullbone or Fate Foreseen or certain cards, if you're only able to opt one on your turn and you see an arrow and you don't have an arrow already slotted in, paying for Death Dealer would make you draw that card. You would prefer to Azalea and Dominate, right? Right. So I think that those are kind of the two biggest points for Redliner. Mm -hmm. Um, I prefer Death Dealer because my deck is built fairly opt-heavy, so sometimes mm-hmm. I can opt two or three or four, and I can stack cards so that I draw the card I want, and then I Azalea the card I want to dominate that arrow. Mm-hmm. Um, also, my main mechanic is, when you see my deck list, uh, think of, I do run some blues, but think of all my yellows as blues as well, right? right? Yeah, um, those are your... They're like underwhelming, but they're very functional, mm-hmm. um, and... My favorite mechanic is you pay for Death Dealer with a yellow, slot an arrow in, draw a card, and have a resource floating. So you're still playing with a four-card hand with a resource floating to mm-hmm. pay for that buff or arrow or whatever. And then it you know blows up from there. But I think that uh, you know if you play other characters mostly, think about like if you, every time you like pitched a blue or a yellow. Say it costs you one resource, you have the rest floating, and then you get to replace that card. Um, I think that has a lot of value. And it it's definitely works better in my deck. Like I did try once, just slot, or twice maybe, or maybe more than that. So I tried to build a Redliner deck and play with it, and then modified that deck and tried that way. I also tried Redliner just in my deck right. a few times, and it didn't work as well. Um I would say, so, because I'm your testing partner for that. Right. Right. And so this is our usual pushback is like, you're just like, oh, it didn't function that well. But you you still wind up having like really good turns and turns that are like really hard to optimally block or that are really disruptive to what I'm trying to do. You know what I mean? So it's, although my, my pushback would be, although you prefer Death Dealer, I would say that I think the margin of which one is better is perhaps like much, much closer than we think it is. Yeah. And um, although in all of our games, I do perform better with Death Dealer. Right. Um, but and that's, yeah, that's, and it, that could be also a product of like reps and comfortability totally. and that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Which, um, which really matters. Uh, and again, my deck specifically is built for Death Dealer. Right. Yep. Um, so another way that Death Dealer shines is that if you draw, you know, a four-card hand and you... Say you have a scar but have more life. 
and you, you know, you have an arrow you want to buff and a, you know, opt and, a, you know, a buff or whatever, you can, this is like worst case scenario kind of, you can pitch your scar to pay for Death Dealer and it replaces itself. Right. So you're cycling that scar back in there for a later point in the game when you have less health or you have to block with all the three cards and to just play scar for the one card right. turn, you know. Right. Um, the hand, so, the filtering effect. Yeah, it so it does have value in that. Um, it, it, I guess, runs into trouble if you have, you know, I just like three free buffs and a one-cost arrow and a tunic up. You right. know, because then you could redliner that in and just pay for only the arrow. Right. Um, those aren't the end of the world because one of those buffs pays for Death Dealer, gets cycled for later, and you get another card, right? It's not like that card's wasted. Right. It's just your blowout turn might be suboptimal or different or whatever. Um, but again, the way I play, I opt quite a bit. So right. I try so to let's talk about that. that so. So let's talk about some of the particular choices you have made in the card pool. So let's start with, I think, the um, most interesting or, uh, yeah, the most interesting one is uh, Whisper of the Oracle. Yeah. Right? So how many of those you got in there? What colors and that sort of I thing? I have seven right now. Um, you know, obviously, like... Our decks are always in a state of testing. Like, we're not going to Nationals tomorrow, so, right. like, some of these cards are flux cards. Mm -hmm. um, but I run three yellow Whispers, right? Because Op 3 is a lot for the functions I talked about. It blocks for three, mm -hmm. which is huge. In Ranger especially, like I said, all of your buffs block for two. You're pretty weak blocking. Yeah. Um, and yellows kind of function as blues in my cheap deck especially with the like death dealer replace itself right. mechanic. Um, so your goal, so from my side of the table, your goal in your deck is to hit a dominated arrow as much as possible. And right. typically that arrow isn't just like, you know, uh, a headshot or something. It's like, uh, it's buffed with increase the tension, nimbleism, uh, take aim, that sort of thing. Yeah. It's never just like, uh, a freebie arrow it's like a tall arrow yeah definitely yeah. um the only way i can go wide is like life's scars or ravenous rabbles you know that kind of thing which um, you will also run yeah yeah but mostly i'm going tall right i would say yeah um, definitely and so yeah uh these whispers have a lot of value because like i said uh yellows or blues are just resource cards they all block for three. Yeah. And then at times when I have the momentum, I use them to choose which card I'm going to draw from Death Dealer and then which arrow is going to dominate off of Azalea's ability. And yeah, um, I guess we should talk about that a little bit. Well, I've, so how many times do you draw cards and it gets to be, you, you, you know, let's say you opt three, right? And you go okay, I want to draw this one, and thank God I opted three because this arrow is better, so you switch the order of the arrows you draw. How it's often like, does that happen? Odds are there's only going to be one arrow in those three cards. Okay. So you want it in the middle. Yeah, so right? then so then you can, if it wasn't in the right spot, yeah. you actually can do it. And yeah. so I can attest to this as like your testing partner, that you dominate, so like 
on the the road of azalea we've been on it's just was like willy-nilly arrows but now it's like you're a sniper and and you dominate so often with those arrows it's like i'm so surprised how good whisper is right because it just does it's a very 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 limited card totally you know it only opts and it only blocks and i guess it pitches too so my two blue whispers are blues right 90 percent of the time they're resources yeah or if they only blocked for two i might not be running this strategy yeah you definitely should that's like huge yeah though they're like they're my blues they block for three and they function this way when i'm having a big turn or you know yeah it's really surprising so Um, if if you're at home and you're like whispers what an idiot try it out at least three yellow whispers right because all you need is yellows blocks for three ops like the yellow whispers are the way to go i'm running more right now because i'm and, and yellow like, uh, yellow sure works out in your ones. deck because your your go tall strategy that that card you play to buff your arrow is free majority of the time mm-hmm. right so you're really only paying for death dealer in the arrow you're gonna fire right right um yeah i mean i have plunder runs and I also have like razors, increase the tensions, foresight, things that cost one. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you get into a position where you have to fire an arrow and pay for a buff. So it costs you two plus death dealer. Right. But again, that yellow you pitch draws you another card. Right. If you have to, you know, use razor to. Yeah. Um, let's talk about your um, your quiver. Right. So t- tell me about um your arrows and the reasoning for some of your arrows and that sort of thing why you run some over the others or or that sort of thing okay so i just run like all of the the best arrows i know that (laughs) obviously yeah but But like so uh like red sleep darts hamstring shots remorseless headshots red and the ledgers right all of those are red yeah and three of each right because you really don't want to run out of arrows correct and um and because I'm going a little taller, they're just better, and I have the resources. Right, because right? they're red, so they do more damage. Um, I So I run three Searing Shots and three Endless Arrows because they're excellent, and they're free, obviously. I would like to run Ridge Rider Shot. Mm-hmm. There's just no room. Um, so the reason I run and these... Ridge Rider is the one that opts, right? Yeah, opt one. When yeah, you flip it so it kind of seems like... Because of the inclusion of whispers, you don't really need that arrow. You know what I mean? No, but so you, so if you end your turn with Ridge Rider shot, then you skull bone it, opt one, don't like this card, Ridge Rider shot, opt again, right. bam, hit an arrow or hit a take aim or whatever, you know? Right. So I guess um, you get, but is that too much? Because then you also run three force sights. Correct. Right. So is that like too much? Can you never have, can you have too much opting? I mean, Ridge Rider shot is just a free four hit arrow yeah right it just got cut because its ability is more underwhelming than searing shot or endless arrow right right? okay um and so to to speak to my so when i first made azalea i tried to go wide found it didn't work great just for me not Mm -hmm. saying you can't do it like that or whatever um then i guess i tried to go kind of tall aggro um and then i kind of found this sweet spot where i I like defended some and played mid range 
And from there, and having some success there, I tried to, like as with any experiment, you can't like change too many things at once because you can't tell what right. what's happening. What works and what so doesn't work. So I've tried to splash in more dominate, and I think right. it's worked really well. Um, especially against decks like uh, your Viscerai deck or Guardian or like any deck that defends well. This is to the point of like the free arrows or whatever. Mm -hmm. Also, just swinging for like seven or nine a turn, even if it's free, against certain opponents, that's just like not enough. Right. Be also, because I defend poorly. Yeah. Right. So having 12 dominate just as an option. Right. So if I play against Ninja, I mm -hmm. just go willy, you know, your aggro. I go willy nilly because I can't block very well. Right. But against Viscerai, your slower Viscerai deck or yeah, whatever. Yeah, don't spoil it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, Guardian. <laughs> um, I, you know, I need this, uh, this like, harder-hitting, dominate, crippling effect. You know, if you, like, increase the tension, remorseless dominate with, you know, a take yeah, aim or something. Yeah, that's a big shutout turn. That's, like, no defense reactions. Right. They are remorseless their next turn, can defend with one card. Right. Um, so let's talk about that. So what are some of the key combos that you go for in your deck? You know, some like things you're looking for throughout the game, like a, a situation where you would be like, dang, I'm going to take 12 damage. Fuck it. I have the combo. You know what I mean? I mean, so my deck tops out at like 15 damage, maybe. Right. Um, so a 15 damage dominate arrow is great. Right. Less so if you had red unmovable in the arsenal, right? Correct. But if you uh, remorseless that, right? That's your priority against Guardian. Right. So how do you get to that? Um, obviously, choosing to not block, right? Right. Um, if, you, uh, if you start with less health, obviously, you can splash in a, a Scar or a Life. Right. Um, Ravenous Rabble always just piles on damage, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, However, uh, some cards add consistency to being able to do this mm -hmm. when the opportunity presents itself. Um, I run three Knock the Death Whistles, which is blue and blocks for three, which is already excellent. And then it, you basically, you fish out a, an arrow from your deck and put it on top. Reload, go again. So, for free. Right. So this card doesn't even require you to also pay for Death Dealer if you don't need to. Um, or don't want to or whatever. Um, so that's excellent. That sets it up on its own. You, it takes a whole card mm -hmm. to like slot that arrow in, um, which is sometimes a bit much. I uh, Sometimes I pitch my knocks to save them for later in a more opportune time. And, but it's a blue. It pays for my whole turn. Right. Well, that's um, the, that is the, I think, uh, high level play. Or maybe it's not, but I don't know. It seems it's so good, right? Because when you pitch your death whistle to get it late game, like you have won many games because you're pretty vigilant about not playing those too early and so that they come up later and that right. you can just win the game. Because yeah. it doesn't take much, right? Because you have, Plenty of like uh, free arrows or with um, the tunic, once you get a resource up, like you can block with the majority of your hands, take a little damage, and then just basically um, 
death whistle and arrow into there. Yeah, you know? sometimes I'm like knocking a searing shot with a buff. So it's steering shot for seven, which is eight damage when it hits, you know. Right. It, like, doesn't have to be something you can't afford. Like, late game, we're all pretty desperate. You know? Yeah, totally. So um, when you can dominate, when you can just, like, on tap dominate in that way, it really makes it so when you're at sub or, like, excuse me, right around 10 health. Right? Yeah. Really, really potent. Yeah, and so the, the <clears throat> dominate effect, it it takes quite a bit of effort. So in the beginning, like with whispers or knocks or, you know, whatever. Um, so in the beginning of the game or whenever, if it's going to take you a ton of effort to get you a five red and the ledger dominate, five attack. Right. Um, and they have 36 health, you know, who who cares? Unless it's dash about to go off on you. But, you know, um, so a lot of times I will, uh, you know, I'll use my remorseless to pay for like a sleep dart so that remorseless is in there for later right you know early on still yeah. got to block the damage but then i have like bigger guns later um i also rock a few yellow arrows hamstrings and sleep darts which are like pretty underwhelming but they're mostly pitch cards and then i'm not going to run out of arrows right they still do four damage which is an annoying number to block mm-hmm. um i want so you asked about my combos yeah um I mean, there's plenty, but the other really key card is take aim. Right. Um, because of its versatility in the reload ability. Um, and you run which, all nine. Uh, eight right oh. now. The two blues are uh, under testing. Mm-hmm. But as we know, blues are just for blues. Right. right? right. Um, but it's like, it's helped me before but just it's being like, a blue yeah. because of the reload. Yeah. Um, not because of the plus one, right. but, your, you know, your, your blues should be the best blue they can be, right? Not just any blue. Right? Yeah, and this deck doesn't need a lot of resources, so maybe I don't need that. But we're we're seeing same right. with the blue whispers, you know. Yeah. Not op two is pretty underwhelming, but so anyway, the the take aim, uh, especially red, but the take aim cards, the yellow ones are still plus two on mostly five attack arrows, which bump you up to seven hit effect which is still annoying to block yeah um and i especially love the reload ability because i rock let's see a foresight plunder run and i feel like there's nimbleism yeah no not nimbleism that can be played anywhere oh okay but oh cards um, that want to be played out of from arsenal Arsenal. right Um, okay well we'll just stop at foresights and plunder runs right you can arrows yeah yeah (laughs) but you can still have death dealer available right so if plunder runs are tough because they're terrible not Mm -hmm. out of arsenal and uh foresights are you know they only block for two much better op two out of arsenal so i i like the take aim because it's free plus three uh reload a plunder run then play it out of arsenal for the full effect so that's why um if your arrows you know somehow get go again or you can't afford death dealer the reload's like great for arrows but it really shines because you can get all of these out of arsenal abilities right um promise of plenty i don't run promise of plenty but if you love that card that also works with that right or scour the battlescape or you know it's just the reload ability is so versatile. It also puts the card in face down. So if you haven't added an opportunity to Skullbone opt that turn, you can also trigger that right. all from the 
just one take aim free card. That's free. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Um, so let's move into because we're uh, you know I th- I think that's a good overview uh, so far and that sort of thing. Um, I guess before we move into this, but like so if if anybody has any questions or wants to make any comments about your deck or we didn't explain some of the choices better like hit us up on on facebook right you can find us at the attack action podcast or ejok on discord um or me mr beef beef hammer beef hammer <laughs> mr beef hammer on discord also right so, and again we'll publish our deck list and we'll, we'd be like happy to discuss anything um yeah and we'll post them in discord too i'll uh i'll figure that out and get the bot to post those Right. Um, in the correct channels. Um, yeah, and so, again, there's a lot of ways to run Ranger. And I feel like nobody's, like, broke. Because, I mean, nobody's won anything with it. So, right. myself included. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. Until um, next weekend. <laughs> right. But uh, hopefully this adds to somebody's strategy or just gives you something to think about. Right. You know. Um, oh, so, oh, so I wanted to touch on this before matchups, right? So yeah. there's like a really key, quote unquote, key card you're not running. So you don't have three of a kind in your deck. Oh, right. So, yeah, I was going to talk about a number of those. Um, Poison the Tips, Rapid Fire, three of a kind are all Majestics, and I don't run any of them. Right. I tried for a long time to run all of them, you know. Yeah. They're just, they don't, they use a whole card. Um, three of a kind is super powerful and the uh take aim reload effect also helps with that because you can if you play three of a kind you can like play take aim out of arsenal and then load and increase the tension you drew and play it out of arsenal but in just like testing uh (laughs) sometimes it'd be it would be uh three of a kind and then you would like or you'd pre-buff your arrow and then three of a kind, and then just arsenal pass. Yeah, oh my <laughs> god, eleven plus eleven damage sitting out there. Draw three cards, no arrows. Yeah. <laughs> All right, your turn. Yeah, you know. which is like I don't think a deck building problem. It's just like because you're drawing blind. Yeah, and I mean, you know, there's over one in three cards in my deck are arrows. Yeah, but it's just like, or maybe one in three or something. I guess like one in three, but. And, you know, I'd want an arrow in my three of a kind hand as well. Right. Um, it's just pl- like testing the amount of times I played that card. It just doesn't go off as much as you think or, you know, I thought was like statistically probable. Right. And then it annihilates your whole turn. Right. Yeah. Which is like a, a really Yeah. When bummer. you put that much into a turn and it falls flat is like. Yeah not good and it's a red yeah and you're already running brute for two yeah you play brute so you know the highs and lows oh yeah you know you don't need another deck like another one yeah (laughs) totally um so let's talk about matchups and what you sideboard in and out sure okay so let's start with uh ninja um so i thought i would run defense reactions against ninja to shut down right because they play like so you run you run four defense reactions in your current build. Yeah, it's fluctuating, but yeah. Right. Um, I so used you, to run a lot more. You but... run red take covers, red fate foreseens, and right. you also run two 
feign deaths. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I thought against Ninja, I, they would Kadachi twice, swing for two or three, and then like a big swing, and then the the uh, defense reactions would like help shut that one down. Right. But I found that that just doesn't happen when I have a defense reaction in my hand enough to merit it because it really like bogs me down. Right. So I choose just like the damage race. Right. I mean, like sometimes you have to block. Like if they play a um. Uh, like going to hit or if it hits gains go again card or you know whatever with a weird number if you can just block with two cards and shut it down like sometimes you have to block but um i i'm tentatively tentatively saying no no defense reactions more v ninja yeah yeah. so you're just going to side out those six cards yeah yeah i think it's worth Um, to be noted i was also trying feign deaths that's Yet to be determined. Right. Might so it's, still perform well. it's also to be noted that you run just all of the cards. Mm-hmm. It, you know, so you have, what is it, 75 cards? Uh, kind of. I mean, deck. so if I side out my defense reactions, then I have like 71 cards in my deck, right? Right. Well, like plus equipment and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, you run like 70-ish cards. Yeah. Most of the um, time. I, I, you don't want to run out of arrows. Right. Right, because you don't have a weapon, so just innately you use more cards than uh, your opponent. Right, um, which also speaks to the you need the flexibility to be able to go aggressive and swing kind of often for seven damage or whatever. But also the like the power of the dominate arrows, um, because I've played some games where I, uh, you know. If I swing for nine every turn and you just block it up and slowly build into your crushing play, then it does nothing for me. You know, I'm playing my my best red cards and you're just blocking with whatever. Yeah, um, trading right. your best cards for my worst cards. Correct. Right. So uh, that's where the, the flexibility and the dominate right. are crucial. Yeah. So let's talk about Brute. What do, what's your strategy against Brute? Uh, I also play Brute, so in our small meta, I don't have to play him very much. Um <laughs> That's but, not helpful. I know. So in testing, right, with you piloting brute, who yeah. don't play brute, uh, I won and lost times. I did lose one time with a pretty horrible mistake, but I won multiple times against brute, and I feel like it's a pretty good matchup. Okay. Um, that said, I mean, obviously, in the competitive scene, Azalea is inferior to brute. I'm not saying she can beat him. Right. Um, just well. So what's your strategy versus brute? Um, if it's different than just like, uh, fire a dominate arrow, suck that brute. Sleep darts are pretty handy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, uh, the brute blocks well, so that's pretty annoying, but keeping the pressure on, I don't know. Right. Helps. Makes it so they like have mid range pressure helps keep their number of cards down right. if they're so trying they, to go for a big play. So less intimidates. Yeah. But then you're in a weird zone where... You're swinging for seven, and they're swinging for club barraging, and you're using more cards. Right. You know, yeah. um, yeah, that's how I feel about that. How about warrior? What are you doing against warrior? Um, so I don't know how many matchups I would rock my defense reactions, but they're in there for warrior because yeah. warrior is one of those things, which ninja is partly also one of those characters where uh, you have to block. Yeah. Right. Like. Yeah, because so, Dawnblade will just run away from you. Yeah, so 
they just help for that because you're swinging every turn and yeah. I have to like, except for your bad or off turns, I have to stop you to some degree. Yeah. So those games end up being like, we're each swinging with two cards you yeah. know, and trying our best. Right. Um, we've had some like very close matches. Right. Um, so keep the defense reactions and you just, you have to figure out how to um, stop Dawn Blade from getting a counter, right. which sometimes means you have to kind of take a swing, but... Yeah, totally. we'll save you later down the line. And all your arrows block for three. You yeah. know, um, I keep Fane Deaths in for Warrior, but they're like pretty upsetting because they cost me one. So if I can Findals a Fane Death, it's way better. Tunic, it, yeah. Or, yeah, tunic. yeah, yeah. So um, if I have to like pitch a card to pay for Fane Death, it kind of sucks because I have to take a big hit from Warrior, and then if I play feign death you don't waste your attack reaction so it only blocks three right but in theory it's like it will stop your second huge swing right for the yeah for the and counter. it doesn't get a counter so that's jury's out it maybe gums up the warrior's hand a little bit yeah hopefully maybe yeah to be determined yeah okay so uh let's talk about mechanologist so i think there's a big asterisk next to this mechanologist because troy is our mechanologist player and he goes suicide mech so he he, he blocks right. zero and just attacks you six times and boosts everything. And he did block my remorseless turn with his whole hand before. Yeah, because it's so. like what did, he yelled across the table. Well, what the fuck? You're gonna shoot me, and then I'm gonna start punching myself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty upset. Yeah. Um, yeah. So his strategy, but I mean, his decks not the current top meta, but yeah. it's like very potent. Like he'll yeah. kick out twenty damage a turn, many multiple turns. Yeah, yeah. it's like very good mm-hmm. still. Um, uh, so in those games, I find red in the ledger is excellent. If he has like a Teclo core out or some sort of engine that's going to expire. Right. Um, if I red in the ledger him, which is where the dominate comes in, obviously, um, remorseless is also very good, uh, on any turn less good than Red in the Ledger. Right. At those so you're trying times. to prioritize those six arrows as often right. as possible. Or, or, at, or at opportune times. times. Yeah. Um, uh, that game is tough, but he mostly swings for, you know, threes or twos or whatever. Um, so even my two cards or three blocks are, have value. Um, I think that's one weakness of the Warrior is I feel like all of my matchups are tough. Like, not... We were talking about Mechanologist. Right. You said Warrior. Oh, sorry. Oh. <laughs> or, sorry yeah, sorry. Um, I feel like that's... Uh, sorry, we're thinking about a lot of things right Producer, now. Producer, <laughs> edit, edit that. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. That guy never edits anything. Yeah. God. Um, sorry, one of, the, one of the difficulties with playing as Azalea is you don't have great matchups. Right. Right. Yeah, like there's the no wizard... matchup who's like... Yes, it's yeah. really hard for them to win. Right, like the yeah. wizard burns down the warrior, but can't win against the brute or whatever. Yeah. But Azalea, like, you know, maybe she doesn't have too many bad ones, or maybe all bad ones, depending on what you're yeah. arguing. But, yeah. you know, you don't have any really strong ones. So, you know, like Dash, I pitch the strategy, and I feel pretty good about it. But it's like none of these are, like, I'm, like, pretty confident. Yeah, I got that, you know? got that one down. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about wizard, then, just briefly. Um, it's fine. Damage race. I don't try to block. 
Um, I've tried to have Irina's prayers in my sideboard, but they're currently not. Uh, I'd rather just damage race. Cool. Force the wizard to block. Because if you don't block against the um, ranger with none of my defense reactions in or whatever, she like kicks out damage. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, Especially when you're dominating as much as you do. Yeah. Okay, so how about Runeblade? What are you doing against that? Um, so we've played some pretty close matchups. Um, I that uh that matchup depends on whether the Rune Blade is playing kind of a you know mid range game or an aggro game, obviously. Right. Or at least do. Yeah. But um yeah, I mean, this matchup is fine. I'm, like, pretty bad at blocking rune champs, but I'm pretty good at dominate arrows, um, which really helps. Uh, also, Feign Death is, like... Feign Death against Rune Blade is maybe the best card anybody has against any other player. <laughs> yeah, so, you know... We had, a, we had a game recently today where I think I swung at you with a pile of rune chants, and it was... I had uh, a buff descendancy, and I'm just like dominate. Yeah, yeah. I'm just ready to just run you over. And you, you know, blocked like slogism descendancy, or what? You know, yeah, it's be- like huge because you had feign death. You can block quite a few of my rune chants, and then you just feign death me. Like took some rune chants, and then feign death the rest of my ascendancy. Right. So the silver lining of blocking arcane damage is that. You're pitching, not discarding, right. right? So they're coming back, which, you know, I've blocked with reds before. So, uh, you know. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, Feign Death is just wonderful because at the very least, you you know, you pitch a blue, block two rune chants, yeah. take some amount of rune chants, and, you, and then leave one floating yeah. to pay for Feign Death. And you spent many turns holding <laughs> your yeah. Feign Death. So depending on if you're aggro rune blade, I'm not going to wait. I'm just going to use it when you swing big. Right. But if you're... If you're sitting on 12 rune chants, or, you know, whatever, right. however, whatever ungodly number, um, <laughs> I have held on to Nox, which are blue, and, like, a Feign Death. Uh, I mean, if the rune blade wants to swing huge, you're going to take a bunch of damage. Right. But I have burnt a turn or two hanging on to, like, blues and a Feign Death. Yeah. Because, yeah. once again, the, the ranger can't just arsenal and save it. So you have to kind of have dead right. turns. Oh, so then the last matchup we talk about is Guardian, which I think is your toughest matchup. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, because my little puny dominate arrows <laughs> are like no... Ma- like you can just unmovable them and still, you know, build your turn. Yeah. Um, you know, if I can dominate enough turns in a row, like you get damage through... I'm just also pretty bad at blocking. I'm trying to fit two reinforce the lines into my... Uh, sideboard to help deal with that but once again you just have to get lucky and draw them on a cart or on a turn that they swing big yeah otherwise they're just cycled back into the deck and hope hope you get lucky again right you know um yeah guardian's like a pretty bad matchup because i don't hit hard enough or aggro enough or swing big enough you know or block well enough yeah totally Um, and they're built to just block up your turn yeah i mean you definitely uh, just get damage through, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> yeah, however, totally, totally however you can, can. Um, um, while not, while not wasting cards, obviously. Right. 
again, like if you're just throwing five damage at them a turn, they're just blocking and you're burning through your cards. Yeah. You know, you definitely have to strategically get damage through to uh, still be potent at the end of the game. Right. Um, great. I, the last thing I have here is like your, your win condition for the deck, but I feel like we've covered that a lot. It's dominate arrows and make sure you're really cognizant of the arrows you are pitching and especially death whistle like a late death whistle is pretty easy to pull off yeah to, to win the game and Definitely. that sort of thing and uh yeah again like potent free arrows um razoring or popping your gear for like an endless arrow because then you can just get it back and fire it again um yeah, there's like plenty of little tricks yeah. but but yeah the the I guess the increased ability to opt and dominate arrows, because my Azalea deck used to really, we'd kind of go tit for tat, and then at the end of the game, I was like unable to have a win right. condition. Which is really important in Flesh and Blood, is like, you have to know how your deck wins. Yeah, you because know? then you both get to seven health, and then they win, because their win strategy is just so much better. Right, so, or they just know what their win strategy is, and you are just like, I don't know. Shoot you more. Die. Yeah. yeah. Why would you die? <laughs> yeah. Stop blocking. Yeah. Just die. <laughs> so, uh, I guess the gear and the dominate arrows, um, and you know, razors have razors, but everybody yeah. sees razors coming. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I, th you know, I, you play Ranger really well in this deck, but I, you know, I am going to take the assist on because we talk about it all the time, um, to try to make it the best. Um, is pretty well tuned. Yeah, thanks for all your input. Totally. Like, Taylor and I have worked, you know, like quite a number of days and just like theory you know, crafting all the time. Like video chat. Like, yeah. uh, just, oh, like I was thinking about this. And like, same with the, you know, the Rune Blade or all of our characters. But like yeah. lately, specifically these two characters, we've like just tried to think about it and read about it and play test it and yeah, totally figure it out. Be, you know, and the, I think. You know, as good as this is, the where Ranger falls short is you can't really switch modes of play. You know what I mean? You always kind of have to be the aggressor. And so that's why your matchups are so tough, right? right? Is because your opponent knows what you're going to do and you can't really like pivot into like a defensive part of the game, right? Because you have so many cards that block for two. And if you hang on to defense reactions, they gum up your offensive turns and that sort of thing. So that's like the real trick or handicap that Ranger has to currently play with, with our current card pool. Right. And uh, yeah, I, I can't figure out a way around this besides like come to fights. You could argue for those, but all like any right, viable having a, another card that blocks for three. Yeah. Any yeah. viable buffs you can think of or rabbles or anything that shines blocks for two. Yeah. You know, so you're just also, again, you don't have a weapon, you're burning through arrows. So there's just the hand you draw is uh, kind of dictates what you're going to do. And, you know, sometimes I draw a feign death and three cards that block for two and I have to block for six and have a dead card, you know, <laughs> yeah. which is like the weakness of the deck. Yeah. Um, Part of the reason I like whispers so much, they do three things, you know. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, we're going to um, take a quick bathroom break and refill 
are delicious beverages. I, of course, am drinking blood because that's what Viscerai would drink. And you're having wine, just like right. Azalea. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think the warrior drinks? Uh, she does not drink. She's Maybe straight gin. edge. No, she's straight edge. Oh, straight edge. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think I'll drink mead for the brute discussion. <laughs> yeah, or grog or <laughs> yeah. something. Yeah. So we're going to take a pause, but it's not going to be a pause for you. It's going to be a pause in real life. So we will see you in... Uh, one second. Two... Oh. One second. And we're back. I got a cup full of... Uh, my enemy's blood, and uh, you have a cup full of wine, which yeah, is we... weird because they look really similar, and so we have to be careful not to get those mixed up. <laughs> had a pee, did a whole bunch of things in that one second. I, Fed yeah. our dogs. I learned how to code and learn Mandarin. <laughs> um, all right, so I uh, realized that I just talked for 45 minutes, maybe. Um, uh, two last points before <laughs> but we... I'm talk yeah. some more. So here we go. <laughs> Halfway through. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome no. to the four-hour podcast. <laughs> um, all right. I have just a couple more points, and then we're going to slide it over to you. Um, I want to comment on traps, uh, because they're like a big part of the ranger. Um, I would love to run Tripwire against the Guardian, but again, can't save cards, so don't. Yeah. Um, Pitfall is good because it's a yellow, so you can pitch it for when it's more opportune to play it. It really shines against the warrior in certain decks like that. However, traps, I don't run any right now. I tried so hard. They're just too hard to play because you draw them up. They're in your hand for the whole defensive turn. And then they're in your hand for your whole offensive turn. And then you arsenal them for, it seems an underwhelming effect for that amount of waiting. They uh, really shine if you draw a take cover in a pitfall trap, because then you can block for seven, they take two, you know. But anyway, that's enough on traps. Um, One, when you go to deck build, one dynamic um, I like to consider is, uh, and this depends on your play style with Azalea, but obviously there's cost, block value, you know, like win condition value, all these things. With Azalea, there's also what I call arsenal killers, right? So... Ideally, you're opting and, like, not just fishing with Azalea's ability, but sometimes that does come up. Mm -hmm. So having fewer cards that you don't want to see come up that just end your turn, the better. Um, Razors are a card that do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And defense reactions are a card that do that. Feign deaths, you know. Mm -hmm. So I don't have it at zero, but that is a value to cards in Mm -hmm. Azalea. If you have fewer of those the more comfortably you gamble with her ability. Right. Um, so I'm done now. I uh, My list will be posted. I'm happy to discuss, like, why I don't run Promise of Plenty or, or you know, like, any anything you want to talk about, I'm, like, happy to talk about. Um, there's just, like, not enough time. It's, like, a crazy complex topic. <laughs> um, speaking of crazy complex topics... Let's uh, segue on over here to the uh, the Rune Blade, aka Viscerai, aka the Arknight, aka Rune Blood. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Um. So this is a deck. I mean, like my love for Azalea. You've put a ton of time and effort into exploring the different. Yeah. Yeah, I think ways Viscerai can play. Yeah, Viscerai to me. Um is so cool 
right? It's like everything, like, so I've played D&D a lot growing up or like uh, RPGs and video games. Like I always want to be like a guy with a sword, but I also want to do like some magic stuff. Yeah, like you know? the Witcher of Flesh and Blood yeah, totally. or whatever. A little bit more on the Darth Vader side, it seems like, but uh, oh, yeah. similar. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I just have like a, a deep connection to this character and want to make this deck as good as it can be. Yeah. Right? So, let's get to it. All right, so uh, we just start at the top, I guess, right? Like, uh, yeah. what is the the general strategy for viscerai um you believe or the different modes or paths he can take and then right. which strategy did you settle on yeah okay so um general strategy with viscerai right is like he has uh something that all the other characters don't and that's rune chance right, right? and so the <clears throat> the big thing is is that you can create more rune chance than your opponent can block right so that's the big advantage there so he creates damage that you can save for later yeah which is unique yeah exactly um so um you want to be able to like make enough rune chance to push damage through that way right in in the fact that rune chance pop when you attack right you have two a two-pronged attack um, basically. So those are kind of the advantages of Viscerai. And so uh, you should try to lean in to those things because that's what he does really well is is make damage for a later turn when you can pop it off and you can guarantee that you're going to do that damage. Right? So uh, general strategy is like dice roll. It's pretty nice to go first. Um, I generally choose that. Because with uh, Grasp of the Arc Knight, you can just like pitch a card, make a rune chant. And if you have a defense reaction, especially if you have a reduce the rune, reduce to rune chant, right? That's what it's called? Yeah. Um, that Now that's online. So then you can just arsenal that. You got a defense reaction ready, right? And it's free and it's going to make another rune chant. So you've started the snowball effect already of making your unstoppable amount of rune chants. So Viscerai's ability also triggers off the fact that you need to build the deck in a way to where you can play non-attack actions and then rune blade cards to help build up rune chance on your turn, either ending in a, a, an attack or just building them up um, in your pool of rune chance. Can you just clarify what Viscerai's ability does yeah, specifically? So- Whenever you play a non-attack action, every rune blade card you play after that creates a rune chant. Right. Yeah. So that's what he does. <laughs> and so your general strategy will be playing cards that, uh, yeah, non-attack actions into attacks. Making rune chants and then deciding when to unleash them all. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think there's like a couple of ways to build Viscerai, but we'll get to that in the in the deck building options if you don't have any other um questions oh uh, no i think we kind of covered it i mean so there's so would you say your personal strategy or the path you take because uh, originally you you started with aggro mm-hmm. rune blade and now have moved off of that right right 
Yeah. So they'll just walk us through, like, strengths and weaknesses. Like, why did you settle on the the way you choose to play him? And why is that the strongest? Yeah, okay. So um, I started out aggro runeblade, right? Because um, with the introduction of the Crucible cards, you get things like Moravian Skies that gives your runeblade attacks. Go again, it's free. And... So it makes it really easy to kind of like chain attacks together and make rune chants along the way with Viserai. Um, so that seems like a really good strategy up front. But the problem I run into or ran into with that is that you have to add a lot of cards that block for two, right? Um, so to make that strategy viable, you just have to have... There's too many cards that block for two then. Because he innately already has cards that block for two, like read the runes blocks for two already um and so if you're adding in meruvian skies or even like lead the charges things where the goal of the deck when i built it was to swing twice whether it's with um an two attack actions or an attack action and then a uh nebula blade or reaping blade at the end and all, so all these cards like lead the charge or any of these cards you play also have the added effect of going towards viscerize ability yeah yeah so i was leaning into that you could play a non-attack action and then attack twice basically so you would make a rune chant after your first attack which maybe would decrop uh give a little dis discount to your second attack potentially right but so there were two problems with that too many cards that block for two and you wind up being really card hungry so you have to have like hands of four or five to have your biggest turns. And it just runs into a consistency issue. And if you're playing like against uh, the Guardian or even the Brute, right? The Brute is a hard matchup no matter what. But somebody who can just start off, like maybe the Warrior can just start off dealing some damage to you and getting rid of some cards. It's just kind of hard to get back into the game right that way. Gotcha. So then my idea was when I look at the card pool, right, we have um, cards like Arc Knight Ascendancy, right? His uh, specialization and we have uh, Ninth Blade, right, a.k.a. Birthday Cake. You have these big attacks that require a large amount of rune chance to get a discount to get their potent effect. So... I thought then the easiest way for me to do that was to switch into a control style, right? To take advantage of kind of his, what I thought were his best cards. They block for three and they have a really, really uh, good uh, effect, right? So if I can make a buttload of rune chance and then just attack you three times in a game and block up most of your attacks... Um, then maybe that is a more viable strategy. Yeah, that's a real strength of the the deck you're currently running is just by chance or by design from the developers that, uh, yeah, um, a lot of these cards that you're using to make rune chance or for whatever reason, you just have a lot of cards that block for three in your deck. I mean, you have a lot of very good blocking turns. Right. Well, that's um, because I run like uh 10 defense reactions fair enough right uh 
Which the which one is it you mentioned before? Read the or reduce the rune chant. Yeah, I mean that just produces a rune chant and blocks four. Yeah, so that's a really great. So the strategy now in the deck, um, right, is obviously have really big turns with ascendancy or ninth blade, or use rattle bones for a really big combo play. But all of those things are predicated on having a large amount of rune chants. So reduce to rune chant. Which I believe is probably like um, morphing a person into a uh, into the aether and making a rune chant, right? Like, yeah, I'm what are they? What are they reducing to rune? A chant? person, <laughs> most likely. I'm turning your energy into a, a rune chant energy attack. Um, Just but, a stray person they y- found. Yeah. So those those cards create a rune chant and block for four. So that furthers my win condition of creating a buttload of rune chance. Right. Right. All right. Well, fair enough. Um, so now we let's move on before you like get really into that strategy. Um, right. Let's, and talk about all my cards. And yeah. Choices and let's stuff. just talk about um, maybe deck building options in general and like what you look for in rune chant cards and then uh, your your personal choices and the reason that key cards made it in. Right. So I think the the cornerstones of the deck are obviously his specializations, Ascendancy and Become the Arknight. Um, both of those are, well, Ascendancy, right, is like a huge card that um, pushes a lot of, can push a lot of damage through, but requires like some setup, which is okay. And then Become the Arknight is just your really flexible card that allows you to kind of play in different modes, right? So um, if you need to build a bunch of rune chants, it allows you to get rid of an attack to go get a rune chant making card. If you need to um, uh, attack your opponent with your rune chants you've previously made, you can go get an attack and make it that way. So those those two plus um, Rattle Bones and Mordred Tide are like must have three ofs, all of them. And Ninth Blade also. Because of the fact that, well, let's talk about, so Mordred Tide just makes more rune chants. It makes any turn where you're making rune chants better. Right. Right? Like anything. And we can talk about And it's a non-attack action. And it's a non-attack action and it's free, blocks for three. It just uh, does so many things. It's super, super good. Rattle Bones, in particular, in this build, I think is maybe my best card so if i make so if i um ascendancy right if i if i play slogism ascendancy and it attacks for 10 right so you built up a big turn yeah right so yeah totally if i have 10 rune chance and i attack for 10 right right? or 15 or whatever yeah the odds are that you're going to take at least some rune chant damage right and then uh arknight ascendancy has dominate yeah and when buffed is especially good because it creates a number of rune chance after. for how much damage you do afterwards right so then this is where Rattlebones steps in right so then i can play Rattlebones as an instant and then get back potentially right in the the god turn is to then replay ascendancy right or even just if i only make three rune chance i can go get amplify the arc knight red out of the discard pile for free. And right. all of that basically only cost me uh, 
well, I mean, I guess slogism costs three, but just for two resources, I can go get a six attack and follow that up, you know? You can also uh, pummel Arknight with an energy potion, so then right. your cost curve goes way down. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. So um, those are, you know, that's kind of a little insight on how to I, how I use those cards, but I think those are kind of the cornerstone cards you can lean into to make winning plays. Um, other staples in the deck are obviously Amplify the Arknight, like uh it's good in any color i just run the reds and the blues because i want the most potent effect and then i need i need a lot of blues in this deck to play for to pay my unmovables my dread triptychs um you know those type of cards yeah and i mean even if you rattle bones that and only have three rune chance for some reason that's still a nine more damage yeah exactly um that card always surprises me because you can block with your whole hand or whatever and have three rune chance and then you can play that out of arsenal or you're only card left and you're swinging back for nine when it yeah. seems like you're on your heels right this is an excellent card yeah it's a really really good card and when you play in a deck that makes a lot of rune chance like that's the theme in a lot of these cards is they get a discount for the rune chance you make so it makes it easy to then play them right i think dread triptych is also an auto include even though it doesn't get that discount, the fact that it's a blue that blocks for three, but then can really combo into some turns. Like if you play Mordred Tide before it and you have, you know, uh, seven rune chance, you you could get eight rune chance after you play Dread Triptych, right? Right. From its like effects on how it makes um, rune chance with mordred tide it's also one of those trouble cards which is like you want to block all of it and the rune chant you know it's just yeah totally makes it, your opponent think and make a mistake maybe or yep wears them out at least yeah oh definitely and so and then i think the other kind of staple card uh i put in here is well i guess it's two right so read the runes has to be in there right because that's the best make rune chant card but you can also do making rune chants with attacks so i have uh five copies of spellblade assault i have three blues um and two reds and those make two rune chants after you play them right they don't get the discount but the fact that you can kind of have like five rune chants play one of those and then just still have two rune chants afterwards kind of keeps your rune chant building engine going or at least ensures that you can attack and then still have a rune chant out without having to play a attack or non-attack action card before it so that when your reduced to rune chant comes up you can still play that for free right so uh let's wind it back just a little bit here yeah, for I got, a second i got going <laughs> no yeah i mean love these cards yeah um let's just run us through because this is a very tempo based uh high skill decision making deck throughout the whole game so run us through what you're trying to do and what tempo you're trying to do it at at like every point in the game sure which will explain the function of some of these cards you listed yeah okay so this isn't like just control rune blade i like to think of it as like flexible rune blade is that i can kind of pivot my deck's strategy 
into whatever mode of play I need to be playing it and depending on my matchup. So if I happen to be in a build rune chant mode, then I'm going to block with my attack cards and keep my rune chant making cards. If I need to be attacking, then I'm going to do the opposite. Block with my rune chant making cards and attack with my attack cards. Right. Right. Um, so, uh, what was your question? I kind of forgot. Well, just, uh, how, how you play. Oh, at different parts. Well, it really, it really depends on what's happening in the game. Right. 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 And what my opponent kind of does and the matchup and that sort of thing. So but, that, that's where the skill really comes in. Right. But so ideally, if you're not under too much pressure or whatever, it seems you try to, build up a massive swing yeah right you're probably yeah. taking some damage build a massive swing get them down and then depending on yeah so in general right um i suppose in i guess the majority of my matchups at the beginning of the game i'm going to try to go first i'm going to try to make rune chance right away so if that's um, I pitch a, uh, I don't know, I, I do grasp and then play a prayer after that and then arsenal a defense reaction, then that's what I'm going to do. Or um, even if I use all four cards, right, I'm going to activate grasp, play prayer, read the runes, right, and then arsenal my defense reaction. And so during build turns, which typically happens at the start of the game. I'm going to try to build up into a big ascendancy play, ideally. Right, right? where you're that's, just creating rune chance. That's the ideal situation. Blocking. Yeah, so you're prioritizing, always trying to keep your turns ahead. And by by that, I mean, you're if you can, you hold on to any card that's going to make rune chance. So read the runes, really good, right? Sometimes you do need to attack, and that's a little niche situation. So if I only have three rune chants and I feel like tempo is slipping away from me, I might play a spell blade because it'll make two rune chants at the end. And so I really haven't lost that much ground. Right. But I've maybe dealt a little damage, stripped a little cards. But so you're building, so you're you're trying to do things like become the Arknight happens, right? That's in your hand. And you have a read the runes. You can then go get rid of an attack get a red read the runes, play Mordred Tide, which maybe is in your hand, and then you make like 10 rune chants. Right. Right? On top of whatever you've made. So I try to then make enough rune chants, um, like 15 would be a nice medium. Sometimes it's 12, sometimes it's 18, something like that. And then I'm just kind of holding on until I can get some of my combo pieces which is having a hopefully i've played an energy potion and i have i wind up getting a pummel or a slogism or an ascendancy like any of those three cards together right with the energy potion makes it really easy to play right so you could arsenal a pummel have an energy potion out and then just hold on to your ascendancy and block with all other cards right and then play your ascendancy with your 15 rune chants. 
Right, that's one of the... And then pummel it, and then you have rune chance at the end. Right, that's one of the strengths of this deck is your big turn doesn't require a five-card hand. Mm -hmm. You know, you can still, like you said, block and just play one card. Right. And so that's like kind of the, the most extreme control situation is that when... If, like, you have a defense reaction in Arsenal, you draw a defense reaction in hand, I typically, I think this is really important, I typically do not play the defense reaction from hand. I'll block with all other cards and play the defense reaction from Arsenal and then just Arsenal the other defense reaction at the end of my turn and pass priority back to the other player. Because I feel like that just keeps me ahead so much more in the uh, tempo of the game, right? Maybe I take three damage or whatever, but I'm like blocking out all of my opponent's damage, basically, and just building into this big turn they can't stop. And then after the big turn, that's where the real skill I found comes in, is that you now have a choice to where you probably have some rune chance left over or maybe not, but your opponent has no cards. So you could, you get two turns in a row. And depending on, there's just so much nuance in this decision on their whether or not. Their life total, their tempo. like Yeah, versus your life total. So you really have to make your choice wisely when you have those two turns in a row. Because you could then you know swing back for another attack but maybe you've really then depleted your rune chance and you got to start all over but maybe you have a couple of rune chance still and you have uh, a chance to then build back up and have another one of those big attacks or keep the pressure on or keep the pressure on but in in my current build i can't keep that much pressure on that long right so that's another nuanced decision is when you go into kind of attack mode, you can't just go into attack mode to the end of the game, right? You have to know when to pivot back into building rune chance. And I'll tell you, playing against you, right? Because I'm chipping in damage, but yeah. you defend very well, and I'm just watching your rune chance build up. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty scary, like the, the hammer's coming you know oh yeah totally is. <laughs> it totally is um let's talk about uh one card you run in your deck uh remembrance yeah and why that is so good um, for for blocking or anything yeah so i run depending on the matchup right i run anywhere between two to three um and so the combination of that and rattle bones means that I don't have to think too hard about if a turn comes up where I have to block with some of my key cards, Ascendancy, Become the Arknight, uh, Mordred Tide, that I know I have Rattlebones to get back my attacks, and I have Remembrance to get back my non-attack actions. So most of my Remembrance plays, if I'm in build mode, right, and there's definitely some nuance here too about what stage of the game Remembrance comes up in, if I'm in build mode, I'll go get a red read the runes, uh, Mordred Tide, and maybe another Mordred Tide or red read the runes, depending on my ratios left in the deck. But if I'm in 
if I've run out of attacks, then I'll need to go Remembrance back my attacks so that I have something much more potent than just Reaping Blade to attack with on my turn. Right, and you're a lot of times forcing a longer game. Yeah. So getting back your more potent cards often has a lot of value because you're dictating the tempo or attempting to at least. Right. Yeah, exactly. So it, it really helps put back in, you know, anywhere between three to nine more cards. So I don't fatigue out as easily. Right. Yeah. Um, Another thing I've noticed about one of the, the strengths of the rune blade is some of your like a uh, spell blade assault or ascendancy, some of your really big hammer downs end with you still having a ton of rune chance, mm -hmm. right? So your big hammer swing is actually, if you rattle bones to that turn, you know, because I block with all my cards, take a ton of damage, and then it happens again, or it happens the next turn, or however you're playing. So let's talk about that and how you focus on that. Uh, well, like, so it just goes into the general strategy of Viserai is that he really incentivizes rune chance. So whether that's to get discounts, right? So I can attack again uh, at a discounted cost much easier, or um, I'll have rune chance at the end of those big attacks to be able to then just more swiftly build up into another uh, 15, 20 rune chance to kind of finish the game out. Yeah, because I mean, when you when you hammer down and deplete all my cards, and then even if it, you only come back with a Amplify yeah. and three rune, it's just nine more free damage. Yeah. And as everybody knows in this game, damage through is what, what you're after. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that kind of turn, it's nine damage. It's there easily rounded numbers right it takes three cards to block all that damage i mean like, if that's your second if right you rattle bones that or oh right right, right. yeah know. like i ascendancy i wind up with three rune chance energy potion out i can rattle bones back a amplify red amplify for free for another yeah. nine damage to follow up and you you just take nine because right. you had to block with maybe all four right, right? all f four of your cards um to stop the rune chance and as much of ascendancy as you can. All right. Um, we're doing this in a little reverse order, but let's talk sure. about your equipment. Uh, yeah. Briefly. Yeah. That's yeah. Part yeah. Of deck building and just like what choices you make and what, including your weapon. Yeah. And why you're rocking what you're rocking. Totally. So, um, obviously I'm running uh, grasp of the arc Knight. Um, it's the legendary. It's, um, super useful in conjunction with um reaping blade so just for one single blue i can make one rune chant and attack with reaping blade so i also run reaping blade for that reason right uh i think nebula blade has its place potentially but the overall efficiency of reaping blade one for three just outweighs nebula blades kind of um uh, little engine it incentivizes even if like you know for first turn i can also do or just at any turn right one blue with a melody and reaping blade 
you know, I can play a melody and then Reaping Blade, which is also uh, really good. And that's why I've run Reaping Blade is for those tiny interactions. Right. Just you in know. your deck, it adds up to being able to play that more often. Yeah, totally. So with Reaping Blade and Grasp, it makes both of those things more efficient. You know, in like an aggro version, Grasp doesn't have as big of a place because you can't afford the card to spend the two resources to make one rune chant. Right, right. It just blocks for three, which yeah. is also excellent. Yeah, which but, is also really good. But less so. Yeah. And then I run uh, the Blood Sheath, right? Yeah. That, that card's great just because it makes it can make a turn so huge, right? Yeah. Like, I can slogism, ascendancy for free. Yeah. You know? Like, it, it's basically just there for a slogism for free. Or I can even... Um, have two, have three rune chants, and then play rune blood barrier for free, which is nuts. Yeah, which is really good too. But that's only good when you pair it with mage master boots, which is the other um, equipment I run. Which I only run it because of those little interactions. Is that I can my big rune chant making cards read the runes red. Um, I only run one uh, blood barrier and it's just there for those type of plays right yeah. so mage master boots into those attack act or those non-attack actions that don't have go again which I don't have that many of but to be able to kind of when you need to in a pinch kind of string together that big combo that then gives things uh, discounts and that sort of thing is really important yeah, and I've noticed, I mean, between Become the Arknight and Bloodsheath Skeleta, it really optimizes or increases the efficiency of a lot of your turns for what you're trying to do in the moment. And that coupled with Remembrance optimizing your blocking because you're not afraid to block, um, it really like increases the effectiveness of, of a lot of your turns. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, and, I mean, the Mage Master Boots and... Blood sheath just make it so I can just have a huge turn, right? Yeah, and it helps that blood sheath blocks for two. You know, on an off turn, with ideally I would have Arcanine Skullcap, but I don't own one, mm-hmm. so I just have to rock Iron Rot. <laughs> None of us are rocking an Arcanine. Yeah, so, you know. yeah, because we just don't have the Skullcap. But uh, in it, in a really off-turn situation, I can still block for five with my equipment and hold on to all four of my cards for a huge turn, right? Yeah. So I've been blocking this whole time, and then I have quite a lot of equipment that um, will kind of slow down a turn from my opponent for me to be able to save enough cards to then just blow them out. So th- that's the equipment I run. Gotcha. Um are there any other uh, little mechanics or tricks or card interactions or combos you'd like to discuss or share that, especially ones that, because you put a lot of work into this, that you would like to, might enlighten a like newer Runeblood player? Because as we know in this game, cards are not face value. It takes like a lot of testing to see how the effectiveness of things. So anyway. Yeah, um, something we've just been generally working on in our deck building is we want cards to have the most broad application possible, right? Um, 
So when you go in to build your deck and you're looking at what the resources you need, you should pick the best blues you can and work from there, right? So like, how many things does this blue do and does it help me win the game? Yes, then put it in. And then you work back from that, right? Right. Blue blocks for three, does something sometimes. Does something really impactful. Yeah. 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 Like knock the death whistle or become the arc knight, right? That help us search out cards. Um, So with that in mind, I have four drones of brutality. So um, as part of just my staple, the red one could get sided out if it really needed to be, if I needed to be more block heavy and not have that two block for two in there. Um, But I run three blues because um, the flexibility in the fact that if I become the Arc Knight and discard that, it just goes back into my deck. So it helps with fatigue. And when I run four of them, it guarantees if the game goes so long, I will have four cards every hand. Right. And there's nothing my opponent can do about it, you know? It the drawback right is that that's only a hand that blocks for eight, yeah, or blocks for four and swings for six. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty good end game. Yeah, and it could still one drone, one blue drone, you know, still uh, does uh, grasp into reaping and then goes to the bottom of my deck. You know, those right. like uh, little interactions I have for three resources. Yeah, those function particularly well in your deck because of the blocking becoming the arc knight i don't know if there's anything else you got going on but you use them like quite a bit and then they always just go to the bottom instead of yeah a regular card mm-hmm. totally so i think that's really important when you're playing like a, a kind of perhaps control-esque long game i think gorgonian tome is really good although i do side it out against ninja just because i don't want Three Remembrances, two Potions, and a Gorgonian Tome. All that don't block against Ninja, yeah. right? The Dream Hand. <laughs> <laughs> you know, living yeah. the dream. Yeah. So the so Tome helps you. It's a good card to Arsenal because then it uh, triggers Viscerize ability out of Arsenal and makes it so you have five cards. Fra- in, in your hand, too. Not five cards and one can only do some things. You have five cards that can all pitch right which is that's really important um so that's a one of that's in there that's a little cheeky um i only run two sinks that's it i mean i run other defense reactions but right i feel like the staples are three sinks three fates right fates don't help me because i don't need opt yeah you know and if and they're just gonna block right sinks kind of help me filter my hand I only have them in there because I kind of need a few more defense reactions, and those ones help me a little bit more than uh, Fates do. But then I run three Reduced to Rude Chant Red and two Yellows. Right. So those are five cards that will create five Rune Chants. Well, talk a little bit about why you run a Yellow Defense Reaction, whereas normally you would not in most decks, right? Uh, just for reduce because it creates a rune chant. Right. Right. So on another any... block for three card, mm-hmm. make a rune chant because you're doing that anyway. Yeah, totally. So you could attack for seven. I'll take one damage, but I also put one in the bank. You know, I block for three. 
and then I attack reaction, take one, but I put a rune chant onto the pile, right? right. And so um, the amount of rune chants you can kind of make in a game can be finite. That's also why I run Remembrance, because that gets me back those rune chant making cards. And then if you're wondering, the, I finished the defensive suite out with yellow unmovable. Um, but against certain matchups, I side those out. But so they're not the blues because I don't want to side out any of my blue cards because those are the cards I need in every matchup. So the yellow ones um, mean that, you know, from Arsenal, they defend for seven, which is great, right? That's a two, that would cost two cards in any hand, right? And then yellows are good because I can hold on to them and they pay for like pummel or rattle bones, right? Right, yellow is pretty functional in your yeah, deck. Yeah, it yeah. really is, which I, I kind of have always poo-pooed yellows, I think. Yeah, it know? depends on the deck, you know. Yeah, yeah, totally. I want to give, if, if you don't, I didn't really understand the power of Ninth Blade. So as soon as you get nine rune chance, which is like nothing in this current build, uh, Ninth Blade is online. Yeah. And it makes it so you can just block out the other person's turn, right? You can use your three cards in hand to block and your defense reaction and then just slap one card down to do 19. I mean, 18. Yeah. Ninth At least. 19. Yeah. Minimum, right? And it's a yellow, yeah, which so it, you enjoy in this deck. Yeah. And it blocks for three and you have remember it, right? So. Yeah. Um, and then I think we've basically talked about Almost every card, except for I have these three kind of situational one-ofs, which are Meet and Greet Red, Drawn to the Dark Dimension Red, and Rune Flash Red. And those just are in the deck to perhaps rattle bones back, like I did against you today, which was like the fucking greatest turn. Yeah, because you rattle bones Meet and Greet, which then has Go Again to then swing for Reaping, but at the end of the game, that's like a buttload of damage yeah totally it was like too much and the amount of rune chance i had meant so you kind of had to like block with all of your cards to stay alive and then i just killed you yeah definitely. right so they're in there for that the flexibility they kind of can provide to the deck so you don't get too predictable right right it's like all of a sudden i have go again or um drawn to the dark dimension is great because you can it's another way to kind of get ahead with limited cards right because it it can dump rune chance and is free if it's the only card left in hand and it draws you a card which then you can arsenal and then maybe you're starting to get ahead that way and i think you tech these cards in after like first play testing this deck for a little more flexibility to go aggro when needed yeah so if i needed to pivot to attack mode right those cards can kind of help that out and with become and uh rattle bones they're like more fetchable yeah just having one just having like one flexible card in your deck's not very much but in yours maybe a little hair more yeah exactly great point co-host yeah well i you know we we've worked together for some time now yes definitely (laughs) definitely um yeah so is there anything more you want to talk about like mechanics wise or overview wise or just before we move into like matchups and sideboarding um any last points you want to make 
with this deck. Or you could just splice them in later or whatever. <laughs> well, I think my final point is is that with this build I have uh I should I should come up with a good name for it, like Yoga Runeblade, right? He's really flexible. <laughs> Yoga Viscerai. Namaste. <laughs> Anyway, or we'll, more Darth Vader theme. Yeah, we'll work on that. Or or yoga theme. <laughs> <laughs> that it takes a ton, a ton, a ton of reps. Right. Right. Which we have been putting in. Right. For this deck. But initially, right, the skeleton of the deck, I was like, oh, crap, this isn't going to work. Yeah, it starts off terrible. Yeah. With both our decks. It's so hard. It's super hard because there, you have to play differently, which maybe guardian players know this right but in our last game where i just won i wound up with a slight life lead right and i after i had done a pretty big turn and generally i would maybe try to put the pressure on because you're kind of low on health right but instead what i did was build up again rune chance to then I let myself get all the way down to one life for then one final turn where I had enough room chance to kill you. Right. right? With the rattle bones. With the rattle bones and yeah. stuff. But all of that is possible because of the amount of room chance I had. Right. Which is, that takes time to learn. Right. Right. To be in that situation and be like, okay, it's 14 to 6. <laughs> I to know I have some time and the way I win in this deck is with rune chance. Right. Right. And I just, I'll say with both of these characters and both of these decks, right? Like these are characters that are not performing well in the international scene and, uh, you know, not ranked among the strongest characters. Um, but it's, but it's possible if you put in the time. Right. So if it, somebody out there puts together either of our deck lists, it's like mostly piloting. It's yeah. so hard. And a lot of these decks, like some decks, you know, maybe more Dash-esque decks or, or like whatever. Warrior is much easier to pick up and play right. than this Runeblade build. Right. These decks that uh, you have to make more harder decisions throughout the every entire game there's more room for you to make an error right you know so if you have 50 decisions that you have to critically think about every game with your deck it's a lot harder to pilot just because you have more chances to make mistakes yeah so if you throw together these decks and you you know don't do well with them it's like expect you know it's like hard yeah hard characters totally. to play. so yeah that's my point is if you're just going to copy and try to run my build know right away that it's going to take you some time to get there yeah maybe you some know? personal tweaks or cards or yeah whatever, totally but yeah you know you, and would... you might have more success with a more mid-range type viscerai where you're kind of attacking more often or that type of thing right yeah um so matchups okay is ready. next yeah um all right let's start it out <laughs> yeah um ninja okay so ninja I'm siding out my prayers, my tome of remembrance, and my unmovables. Because they're too big or like a Kadachi pops a Viking melody. Yeah. So even though it stops for damage, it does nothing. Right. You don't want right. to pitch a card. 
to right. stop a Kodachi to protect your melody. Yeah, totally. So. so you have to be aware of how to block ninja, and you can take your time, make rune chants, and attack with a big pile of rune chants. The way to block ninja is usually to be full of Kodachi holes. <laughs> but block everything else. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, Brute. Brute is the hardest matchup. Yeah. So you have to try to end your turn with your free uh, defense reaction to try to when he intimidates you for three and barraging beatdowns fucking out there that you can still block with two cards. And with that in Arsenal. Yeah, you got to have your defense reaction in Arsenal. So you're really, really pulling for those. Um, and you you have to attack a little bit more often than you normally would because if you just sit back and try to like absorb the brute, you're just going to wind up getting intimidated for four and taking 16. Right, as a control deck that excels at blocking the Brutes presents its own challenge. Yeah, so it's it's a really, really tough matchup, and it takes a lot of time yeah. to figure it out. All right, Warrior. Um, so then you really want to keep those unmovables, and this is like a real control game. So you're trying to block as much as possible, and you're probably going to attack as few times as possible right so you really got to find your window and you got to have enough room chance that you can make up the difference in health total that you potentially are in right yeah because the warrior does have i mean maybe the best deck but does have a soft cap on damage so yeah totally so with enough control you can mitigate so your unmovables become really valuable um prayers are really really valuable trying to keep those alive for as long as possible will really help you get to um, that that dump turn where you just dump all your rune chants onto them. All right, uh, let's move on to Mechanologist. Right, so mech, asterisk Mechanologist, uh, Suicide Troy Mechanologist is the one we have to play against. Right. I don't know if he's going to change Which it again, to control. Which again, still does a lot of damage. Still does a lot of damage. And it's it's the same thing, is that you're playing the mega long game. Which you know when you get down to it, like he'll fatigue out. Yeah. Or get to a point where he doesn't want to boost as much. And then that's your point where you can really start hammering him. Right. You know? But so you really have to you have to play for a really long game. You're really like blocking as much damage as possible, making as many rune chances as possible, and not trying to get greedy because on a turn where you kind of are like, okay, I have to let some damage through, you know, it's like a 20 damage turn. Yeah. You know? So you have to be patient. Patience. Patience. Wizard. Okay, so you you take all of your equipment I talked about and throw it in the trash and put <laughs> in four Arcane Barrier. And then keep all of your blues all that and, nice armor. And get rid of all of your defense reactions. So now you're prioritizing uh, keeping blues and prayers to save you. Gotcha. Right. But you have... So uh, you're playing the long game against the wizard. Uh, a little bit. You, you're you playing because you have a health lead. You're trying to hold on to that for as long as possible and then build room chance. And since they only have 30 health, like right. if you do... You can... You can definitely do 20 damage, 22 damage, 
you know, not right. through, but like attack with 20 damage in this deck. And then, you know, that's right. Your hammer swing puts the wizard in the kill zone. Whereas the rest yeah, of my us giant down to like swing, 18 Yeah, or all whatever. of a sudden he's at like 12 health. Yeah. yeah. Which he's okay with because he could still burn me if he gets me close enough. Yeah. But that's the other thing you have to manage is your life gap. Right. That's nice to know, though, that your deck greatly benefits from, but does not fall apart without your equipment. Right. Like, like Blood <laughs> well, Sheath. Yeah. <laughs> Blood Sheath is excellent, but yeah. it's not like a critical moment in every game. It's just, just in Wizard, it he uh or they um warrant you to get rid of it yeah because blocking for four is much better right uh you want to talk about a mirror match no all right i you, skipped your memory all right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um okay ranger that we played a lot of oh god yeah okay so ranger which, I mean, so all of these matchups are limited to our meta, obviously. So you're playing my Ranger deck. Yeah, so you know? um, against Ranger, you have to do kind of what I talked about at the beginning part of all of this. Is that interaction where you get you have to get them lower than you to be able to kill them, right? So you have to have a life gap at the end of the game to build up new chance to kill the warrior i mean the ranger to then take a hit in order to yeah to be able to take a hit. chance yeah or, exactly because feign death is a real thing in that deck <laughs> and will stop any momentum you have by blocking the majority of your rune chance and then stopping your big ascendancy play and then you're left with no rune chance at the end because ascendancy was stopped so you have to know that that's coming and then not freak out <laughs> and be like okay attack more you just build back up those rune chants get that life total into a zone where you can win the game i think some people would say that you have to you could fatigue out ranger but your deck is too good for the entire part of the game and we play a long game where we're down to like maybe the last third of our deck. Yeah, and I have a little advantage because I know your deck pretty well. Yeah. So I, you know, for example, pitch remorseless to play for a dominate headshot. So I see it, you know. Yeah. I'm like, see, I'm not just like shooting six damage at you that you can totally. Block, you Which know, might so. happen in your meta at home is like your ranger player might be like, oh, this is great. Swing I'm, for seven every turn. Yeah, I'm just attacking nonstop. This yep. is fun. And no then, way, that's how you lose. Yeah, and then you're just like, uh, 25. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right, fair enough. Uh, but I will say, though, we've had a lot of very, very close games despite the occasional feign death play. You know, like, Runeblade yeah. can still pull it out. Yeah. That's just disheartening, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Guardian. Um, Guardian... Um, so I guess this goes back to also ninja. So like if you're playing control decks, much easier when you're in a control mirror because you can also just like sit back and like guardian telegraphs every play they're doing, you know, you know, the crush is coming. So you've been tailoring your arsenal and stuff to that and you're just building rune chance and then not getting crushed. And then you, you basically just swing for as many rune chance as possible and then they can't stop it. 
right? Even with all their blues. So you have to go bigger on the rune chance, and then you just like kind of clean up at the end of the game. Right, like unmovable in Arsenal, and then your hammer crush swing is bigger. Your big swing. Yeah, totally. It's like, what are you going to do when I have 20 rune chance and my ascendancy hits for 10? You know, like, cool, you played unmovable, but what are you going to do about those 20 rune chance? Right. You know. So. Awesome. This is an awesome deck. (laughs) And uh, you've put in the work to make it. It's so fun. But it's so stressful at the same time because you you sit there and you watch your rune chance go up and you're like, yes. But then you watch your life total slowly go down and you're like, fuck, I'm down by 13. Clock's ticking. (laughs) 13 health points here. And you, you know, and it takes a lot of like um, mental math and it takes a lot of like recognizing how to not stop this turn from your opponent, but stopping the next turn also yeah you know uh yeah and you put in a lot of work to make it like start from your basic idea and losing some games to make it like a good deck you know yeah like yeah totally um, yeah all right so last point we're going to cover is sure. do you want to talk at all about uh your win condition or the last the no, last I think, part of the game i you think kind i've of talked about that, that yeah is that you you really need to again manufacture a situation where you have a health lead you know your opponent's at six you're at 14 and you can take that little bit of damage uh, for a few turns to be able to make enough room chance to kill them right right so you can like and and saving equipment sometimes that blocks is important Right. Yeah. So don't don't blow your wad too early on the equipment and that sort of thing. Two well, hours, two hours that... and five minutes, man. Yeah. Um. I I guess we have some time left. Is there anything? <laughs> <laughs> Should we add another character in and just slap it on top? This is um, a big boy. Yeah. Thanks, boy if podcast. Whoever listened to either half of it to the character you're interested in, or whoever listened to the whole thing, um. There's just a lot of content, and I feel like we barely even scraped the surface of, you know. Yeah, totally. It would be but, nice if we did this live with a Q&A. It would be so much easier. Sure. And just <laughs> drink coffee for 17 hours or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, gosh, I wish I had remembered to shout out our one listener from the Netherlands. Oh, right? yeah. God, at the beginning. So if you are still listening, our Netherlands listener, thank you. We'll, we'll look up their name and shout we them can't. out later. We're, what, what kind of kind of crazy oh, spy do craft do we have on our analytics? I don't know. That's your department. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, never mind. Also, Thank shout you. out to the Malaysian listeners we have. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. Um, At the end. Should have shouted you out at the beginning. Do it next episode. And I'd like to say, once again, these are like, these are what we've found from like hours of playing. These are very difficult characters. Um, if you make this deck deck once and lose with it, don't be surprised. Um, hopefully, <laughs> yeah. uh, through a lot of play, you can learn to pilot this or similar decks, or just take things away to add to your decks, and uh, you know, learn to love these characters or create a successful deck. You know, like either of us just really wants to see one of these characters be successful in some kind of tournament. yeah totally and and we're also not saying that like our builds are the definitive builds right we're just saying that these are successful this is 
a stage in the build that we are on and we want you in the community to iterate and improve right right? so and we've come a long way from being like like terrible and losing every game to being like pretty competitive in our tiny little bubble yeah but you know so hopefully you just take some things away from it and build on it and like build your own viscerai or azalea deck yeah and have you know success or have fun with your friends Yeah. yeah yeah totally yeah, I think that's it. We we covered it. We blasted it. Remember um, the Fab Foundry link, right? You get a discount on Ranger and uh, Rune Blade cards, um, and that helps everybody out. And we appreciate Fab Foundry. And yeah, I'm not sure how long that will run that discount, but uh, I'm sure we'll put it in the show notes for how long it's happening or that sort of thing. Uh, maybe. Well, we'll we'll find out. Um, And yeah, once again, our deck list will be up on Facebook Facebook and in the show notes. And if uh, we're like happy to share, there's like so much we didn't cover about specifics like card inclusion or specific card functionality or reasons for this is yellow or like whatever. So if anybody has any questions or like whatever, we're like happy to talk about it till the ends of the earth. If that's oh, how you want yeah, to spend totally. your lifetime. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. how we spend, I'd probably say, five out of seven days a week. Yeah. Is like talking about, what if we put this card in? Or or Control Ranger. We could do it, right? <laughs> nope. <laughs> well, we Someday. haven't tried. Someday. I'm telling you. 2021 Control right, Ranger. Put a pin in it. <laughs> 2021 Control Ranger. National champ. America. Isaac Jessen. I just called it. Him, you're, you heard it here first. I, I gave him big, big, like, you see that? Yeah, I meant it. Eyebrows. That's what I did. But I have tiny eyebrows, but that's how much I meant it. What have we been podcasting for over two hours? We're losing it. Uh, let's make some dinner and play some Blitz. Okay, sounds great. Uh, thank you, everybody who's listening. Uh, Attack Action Podcast on Facebook at Gmail. Mr. Beefhammer on Discord. Ejak. How do you spell that again on Discord? Capital I-J-A-Q-U-E. Yeah. I explained what that is in another episode. <laughs> yeah. We don't have time to go back on that now. Yeah, keep um, up. <laughs> hit us up. Also, uh, let Outcast Haven that we still have a feud going. They're kind of slacking on like putting out an episode and or listening to our episodes to know that we're in a feud, but just know that it's still going. The fire's burning. The fire's burning. <laughs> I feel like those are the type of guys, though, who would be like, I hear we're in a feud. Like, who the fuck are those guys? <laughs> you know? There's, I feel like that's the response coming. Well, we're waiting for it. Totally. I hope somebody finds that fun or whatever or listens <laughs> to that podcast and our podcast. Uh, who knows? Should we just keep going for another 50 minutes, making this three hours? Uh, yeah, let's just start recording the next episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. Okay. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night or good afternoon or good morning. Thank you for listening. We love you. Goodbye.